Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Luke chapter 17 this morning. I'm uh, excited about what God is doing. And uh, today, as we're gathered together uh, in this unusual way, um, we are uh, going through a sermon series um, that I was one that uh, that I started last year about the same time, and the title is called Thanks Living, because as we approach this Thanksgiving holiday, in my opinion, uh, the idea of gratitude and thankfulness is truly life-changing. If you live a life constantly in an attitude of gratitude your life will be markedly improved. You'll be happier, you'll be healthier. And so I wanted to take these few weeks as we approach Thanksgiving to, uh, to encourage you and to remind you that we have a whole lot of reasons to be thankful. Can you say amen this morning? Uh, we have a whole lot of reasons in life to, uh, to be able to turn to God and say, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for the things that I have. And I want to illustrate that today by going back to a, a great story in the Word of God in Luke chapter 17, story of 10 lepers. And I want to begin with this uh, story I picked up. It says, uh, it says, two men were walking through a field one day when they spotted an enraged bull. Instantly, they darted toward the nearest fence. The storming bull followed in hot pursuit. It was soon apparent that they were not going to make it. Terrified, one shouted to the other, Put up a prayer, John! We're in for it! John answered, I can't! I've never prayed publicly in my whole life! But you must! implored his companion. The bull is catching up to us. Well, all right, said John. I'll say the only prayer I know. It's the one that my father used to repeat when we sat down for dinner at the table. Oh, Lord, thank you for what we are about to receive. Make us truly grateful. <laughs> uh, I believe this morning that there is only one sin that is very, very prevalent in our world today. It is the sin of ingratitude. And let me be clear with you this morning. I believe ungratefulness is a sin against God. It's a sin against his goodness and his truth. God has done so much for us. He has done so much for you. And no matter where you find yourself this morning, if you find yourself in a moment of blessing, if you find yourself in a moment of uh, uh, you know comfort and ease and everything's honky-dory, well, you have a lot to be thankful for. But even if you find yourself living through 2020... Even if you find yourself 
with great uh, burden to bear this morning and difficulty and pain in your life, that is no excuse for us to fall into ungratefulness or ingratitude. Uh, we still have, no, even on our worst day, I want to tell you, my worst day as a Christian is still better than my best day as a sinner. Because no matter what we go through, I want to tell you, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Our names are written in his book of life. And we have great and glorious things to be thankful for. And if you will maintain an attitude like that, boy, I'll tell you, you can live a wonderful, happy, and productive life. Let's read this story together. This uh, scripture we're about to read really ought to challenge all of us to a life of gratitude as we are approaching this Thanksgiving. Uh, so Luke chapter 17, beginning with verse 11, if you join me there. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood far off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, everybody remember, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. He fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he, Bible adds this interesting detail, he was a Samaritan. So verse 17, here's Jesus' answer to this man who came back to show gratitude for his healing. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not found any who returned to give glory to God? except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray this morning for just a moment. Lord, we come once again by your precious blood. I thank you for the spirit of the living God that gives us a victory today, that gives us strength and courage to persevere. I'm praying, God, that you would, uh, that you would inspire in us a spirit of gratitude once again, that we truly have so many things to be grateful for. God, I pray that you would bless us and help us heal us and bring uh, wholeness to our bodies, to our souls, to our minds as a result of gratitude. We thank you this morning, all that you're going to do in Jesus' name. God's people would say, Amen. Wonderful. Let's look. This is a message I've titled, where are the nine? Because truly, this story does give us accurate uh, depictions of the number of people who are truly grateful versus those who are not. Uh, in our story, there were nine out of the ten who never returned to say thank you to Jesus. Never returned, never thought to come back and only one, so that's 10%, and I'd say that's a pretty good estimate of people that I've met in life. There's 90% who are complainers, 90% who always uh, see the, the glass half empty, 90% who, 
who, uh, who never stop to think about the blessings that God has placed in your life. Well, I'm encouraging you this morning. I'm encouraging the Potter's House Church. Every person listening to my voice this morning, that you and I, we can be the 10%. We can be the one who comes back to glorify God. Let's look, first of all, at the position of all. Because truly what we find, first of all, is the state of all of us in this group of lepers. Verses 11 and 12 said these words, It came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and there met him ten men that were lepers. I believe this is very symbolic, and it's a shadow, it's a type of all of humanity. It is. It describes very well our constant need of a holy and a righteous God. Um, so we are all represented by this group of ten lepers. What do we notice about them? First of all, we notice that they are in a terrible position of life. Luke here he describes them as standing afar off. They are, they were experiencing separation. They were experiencing uh, a pain and agony. As you know, as you've no doubt heard in many messages before, that leprosy is, uh, in Bible times, it was a devastating disease that would uh, attack the nerve endings in, in people's skin. And uh, because of that, they would become injured, and many times they're, they wouldn't feel it. They wouldn't feel uh, when their body started to become... Um, uh, diseased or infected or or they broke a bone they wouldn't feel it or they had a scrape and or they got an insect bite or they got some problem and it, it began to affect their body in such a way that they literally began falling apart their skin would literally begin falling off for this reason they would wrap themselves up with cl- cloths uh, it was a highly contagious disease And so because of that, they would be completely ostracized from society. They were shut out. They were cast off. I kind of got a little taste of what that's like. As as I mentioned, if we ever leave the house, I feel like, you know, I feel like I'm doing something evil, breaking the law, that I should be going down the street shouting, unclean, unclean. This is what the lepers would have to do if they would travel anywhere. They would have to shout because... Because uh, nobody else wanted to uh, wanted to contract the disease that they had, it was even worse than than what we have now, though. Because at least we're quarantined together as a family, and uh, but in in the case of a leper, uh, they would be cast out from their own family. They would know they would have zero physical contact with anyone in life. Uh, that no no you know you you can't. Uh, imagine what it would be like to not experience a hug or a, a kiss of their wife or their children. They were shut out from their friends. They would have no time. They would have no buddy to fellowship with. And what's interesting to me about this story is that Jesus even has time to get close enough to be near these lepers. See, the religious people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they had no time for lepers. They didn't want to be close to them. Uh, but, but Jesus, Jesus made time for the lepers. Uh, 
in the time that this story was written, at the time that these events took place, uh, before Jesus came to fulfill the law, you know, the law had a lot to say about leprosy. That it was to shut them out. And, uh, and for the rest of their lives, they were confined to this existence of separation and painfulness. Can I tell you, that's a really uh, accurate depiction of the life of sin. It's the life of separation from God. And even though you might not have some debilitating physical disease, the truth is, we studied this on Friday night, that sin always brings us low. It brings us to a point of separation from God and from people. Sin will always divide and conquer. Sin is uh, our rebellion against God. It is when we know to do right and we don't do it. When we find ourselves giving in to temptation again and again, it brings us to the leprous place of life. We are separated from God, where we are separated from things that we love, where we do things to hurt people and hurt ourselves. And one of the worst consequences of sin is when we violate our own conscience, there begins even a division in our own mind, a schism between what we know to be right and what we what we are actually living. And for many people, this causes deep and profound problems in your mental situation when you when you know that you're supposed to be doing one thing but you continually give yourself to the wrong thing this begins to create a divided personality that will not be healthy for your life for your family for your future this is the situation our sin just like that that disease of leprosy it divides us from all that is good it divides us separates us, isolates us. They were unapproachable. Oh, but I have good news for you this morning. Jesus approaches the unapproachable. See, this is the, this is the difference between Christianity and the rest of uh, other religions around the world, is that Jesus is a God who approaches. That while we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for the ungodly. When the law declares they're off limits, don't touch them, hazardous material, don't even get close. You know what? Jesus goes in and enters in to that place. Uh, maybe some of you uh, uh, are aware of a certain uh, uh, a show that, that came out. I think it was on HBO or something. And uh, I forget where we were traveling, but... Uh, it's somebody, I think it was Chris, maybe Chris and I were traveling together on a plane and you know, when you're on a plane on these long flights and there's, you know, you're half going crazy. And I think we watched this, uh, this show about the nuclear fallout, um, at, uh, oh gosh, it was in Ukraine. It's going to escape my mind at the moment. But, um, but there was a, there was a powerful scene in this movie where this nuclear, um, core is melting down at this power plant and, you know, they have to send somebody in. They have to send somebody to go fix the problem in the middle of this core. And uh, and so they have to pick two engineers or two technicians to go in, in the middle of where this radiation is happening. And, you know, it's uh, um, at, at that moment, that's the place where everyone is running away from. Their faces are melting off of their skulls, you know, and everyone else has to uh, has to run away and go to the hospital. But here's some men that, that have to do a task. They have to go in when everyone else is running out. 
I want to tell you that's a that's in that's how we ought to think about Jesus. Who Jesus, who had his comfy position in heaven, sitting there at the right hand of God, in control of all things, creator of all things, uh, being worshipped by all things, and yet he decides of his own volition, nobody forced him, nobody twisted his arm, Jesus decided to come down into this ungrateful, wicked world, full of sin and brokenness. And he lived this perfect life and he went to the cross. Why? Why did he do all that? The same reason that he approached a group of 10 leprous men. When everyone else passes on the other side, Jesus goes right into the midst of them. When your family can no longer help you, when your friends no longer want to be around you, when the church even uh, doesn't have any answers for you. But I want to tell you, Jesus still has answers for you. He still approaches the unapproachable this morning. And no matter what you're going through, no matter what radioactive garbage you're wading through today, Jesus is there to rescue you. Aren't you glad that Jesus, he went in when everyone else was running away? When they couldn't even get to Jesus, these lepers, no doubt many of them, they had diseases, they had problems that even prevented them from walking and getting close to Jesus. But aren't you glad that Jesus came close to them? I want to tell you, we were all in the same position. Just like all 10 of these lepers, there is not one who is better off than the other. Maybe different stages of advancement of this disease, but all of them with the same certain outcome. Oh, I want to tell you, sin. Sin. It may be different. Some people have different sins than others. Some people have sexual sins, or some people have problems with kleptomania, or some people have problems with hurting others. Oh, but I'm going to tell you, no matter what the sin is, it's enough to separate you and I from God with the same certain outcome, and that is the wages of sin is death. Leprosy of these men shows us exactly our own situation. Can't you say amen this morning? Now look, as we continue through this story at the prayer of all, look at verse 13 and 14. It says that they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, now show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. So, a couple of interesting points to think about here. Number one is that they all uttered the same prayer. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And I want to remind you this morning that just because someone says a prayer in a church service, just because someone visits an altar space, does not mean that all has been made right, that all is finished, that uh, they grown their angel wings and the halo sprouts uh, above their head. No, I want to tell you, beloved, that there's still a lot that needs to happen. They all prayed the same prayer. They all sensed their own need. Don't you know, uh, I would encourage you, you, you know, if you're here this morning or you're watching this online, I, I would never encourage someone to uh, to pray a prayer that, you know, if you felt pressured or you know, manipulated somehow. Uh, I don't do that. I don't manipulate people into, into repenting. Uh, unless you are aware of how leprous you are, you know, that prayer is not really going to do anything for you. But these men, these leprous men, 
Their loneliness, the pain of their disease was so obvious and so evident to them and to everyone around them. They knew how desperately they needed help and that they they knew that there was no help to be found. There was no hospital. There was no doctor. There was no nurse who was going to tend to them. Maybe only the one that they had heard about Jesus, whom they had heard, would have healed the sick. There's no doubt that they needed help. So they began to cry out for mercy. So they... uh, uh, the part of their prayer is something interesting is that they uh they not only cried out but they said that Jesus was their master so Jesus master have mercy on us and this reflects the truth this morning that obedience is necessary prayer crying out to Jesus without obedience is completely useless and uh, and this obedience is tested immediately. What Jesus tells them to do, he didn't. Uh, you know, Jesus. What, what's interesting about Jesus, as you read his stories in the gospel, is that when he went to heal people, he didn't have some particular formula that he stuck to every time. You know, for some men, uh, he would uh, he, he spit on the ground and made some mud and then rubbed the mud in the man's eyes, and then that's how he got healed. Uh, for others, he, he commanded them to take up their bed and walk, and they walked. And with these men, Jesus did something peculiar. He told them to get up and go down to the priest. And the reason is because the priests, it wasn't because the priests had any power to cure them, but what the priests did have, he had the authority to declare that they had been made clean. The Levitical laws, you go back and read them, you will find a whole lot of uh, instruction given to the Levites of how they are to handle people who come with uh, with uh, uh, leprous diseases and examining their skin and their hair and so forth. And, uh, and so the reason Jesus is commanding them to do this is because uh, that the priest had the power to declare them that they had been cured. Now notice in this obedience that that they were not healed immediately. They didn't, uh, you know, shake off their grave clothes at that moment and uh, dance up and down and shout. No, they weren't cleansed in the moment. They were cleansed as they obeyed. Everybody say that together. As they obeyed. I want to tell you, beloved, that this is the case in so many people that you, uh, if you are not healed in the moment, if your life, if every um, I is not dotted and every T is not crossed on the day that you got saved and somehow you get angry at God because he didn't do what he, for you what he did for somebody else. But sometimes God heals us in the obedience Sometimes as we obey the commandment of the Lord, it is on the way that we find healing, wholeness, truth. Jesus healed them all, yes, but it was a process. It was, a, it was uh, the time as they went uh, from that moment in obedience to the commandment of the Lord to the priest. That's when they found the healing that they were seeking. What about you this morning? What about in your life? Is it possible that you're, you've not received what you need from God because of your disobedience? 
Because the Lord has said, I want you to go. I want you to go talk to pastor. I want you to tell him what's happening in your life. And, and you've been uh, shy, you've been bashful, or worse, you've been rebellious. And you said, oh, no, no, nobody else needs to know. No, I'm just going to suffer in my isolation. And uh, what happens is that we just, we languish. We find ourselves on the side of the road. And I'm not saying this morning that, you know, every bad thing that happens in your life is a result of your disobedience. Sometimes it's just life. Sometimes life happens. But I'm telling you that God is able to bring healing. God is able to bring comfort. God is able to bring wholeness into our life when we obey his commandment. Now, the point of this message happening today is in verses 15 through 19, and I want to go back to them as we look, that 10 were healed, but only one came back to say thank you. Look at verse 15. One of them, 10%, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, and with a loud voice, everybody say a loud voice, a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was, the Bible adds this interesting detail, he was a Samaritan. Now here is the key to the whole issue. Here is the reason why some people have victory and some people have a bad attitude eternally. Because one of these men came back to glorify God and the rest did not. All of them prayed. All of them were healed. All of them went to the priest. All of them experienced a miracle. And yet only one out of ten came to return to offer thanksgiving and worship and praise. What about you? Oh, beloved, I'm telling you, this is the key to happiness in life. This is the key to joy and peace and satisfaction. This is your opportunity today. It was an opportunity of praise. When one of them saw that he was healed, he turned back. It is not enough to get your healing and walk and go do your own thing. No, this man saw a reason to praise. This Samaritan man, he saw the difference that Jesus had made and he appreciated it. And maybe those other nine, maybe they appreciated it too, but they weren't vocal about it. They certainly didn't do anything about it. So it makes me wonder how grateful they really were. Many people see their need to pray, but they don't see their need to praise. They all, 10 of them, they cried out to Jesus, didn't they? But only one came back to give God praise. Oh, pastor, I don't like to praise. I don't like to raise my hands. I don't like to sing. I don't like to clap. I don't like to make a fool of myself. I like what David said when he was getting flack from his wife, Michael, about uh, being uh, embarrassed and uh, uh, praising the Lord as the, as the uh, ark of God was coming back to Jerusalem. He was so excited. The Bible says that he was singing and dancing and leaping and, and he was so excited. And, uh, and he came back and, and, uh, and his wife, Michael had seen him and she said, Oh, how undignified was the King of Israel today. And he said, Oh yeah, 
I'll be more undignified than that. Than that. I am going to give my God praise. Listen, men of God, it is not embarrassing to lift up your hands in worship. It is not something to be embarrassed of. Men of God, you need to learn how to give him praise. When we see our need to pray, but our need our, our but we don't see our need to praise, that reveals that there's a problem in your attitude and in your heart. Maybe as he was walking toward the priest's house, this man Maybe he began to notice his skin that was uh, tightening back together. Maybe he began to see the life come back into his own uh, hands and fingers. Maybe as he was crying out, unclean, unclean, people, people looked at him and said, why is he saying that? And as he realized all of these changes, he said, I have to give God praise. I have to worship him. I have to thank him. I I cannot but thank him and give God praise. Whoa, what about you, church? What about you, believer? What about you today? Have you forgotten to worship the Lord your God? Have you uh, become so distracted by the things of life that you no longer praise the way you used to as a new convert? Oh, this Samaritan man, the one who was not of, uh, of Jewish origin like the rest, that this is the one who came back to show gratitude. I ask you, where were the nine? Jesus, he looks at this man as he comes back to say thank you, to give him praise and to glorify him. Jesus asks him, where are the nine? Where are the nine? He says, I know I, I have uh, ordained that they should be cleansed. No doubt, I know exactly where they went. They went to their houses. They went to hug and kiss their wives and their children. They went to see their mothers and their fathers to talk with their friends. Oh, but I'm telling you today that their mother and their father, their wife and their children, they were not the origin of their healing. Their minds had been so occupied by the blessing that they forgot about the blesser. Oh, this happens every day. This happens in America. And this happens to you and I that we get so in love with the blessing that we forget the blesser. You, have you forgotten the blesser? Have you forgotten the reason why you were born in America? It's not because you were so smart. To be born in America is to win the lottery, my friend. There are people all around the world, billions of people who wish that they were sitting in the place that you are sitting right now, that would give up life and limb, would give up all that they had just to be in your place. And we've become so blinded by the blessing that we forgot the blesser. Listen, I believe that this man, that this Samaritan man, he wanted to go home and hug his wife and see his children just as much as all the rest of the nine. Oh, but he didn't get wrapped up with the blessing. He didn't get distracted by the healing. He, he allowed his gratitude to bring him back to the source. I challenge you this morning. I challenge you. Don't so fall in love with the blessing that you forgot the blesser. Don't so fall in love with your job that God gave you that you skip church. Don't so fall in love with, uh, with you know, the, the money that you've made that you don't uh, give back to the Lord and his house. 
Oh, beloved, I'm telling you, this is, this is the ratio of people who forget the blesser. It's, ten to, it's, it's nine to one. Nine people, I believe, and, and uh, I, I hope that it's not true of our congregation this morning, but, but it, it's nine out of ten who fall in love with the comfort and ease of this life, and they forget God. Notice that he had with a loud voice, a loud voice he glorified God with the same loudness and intensity that he cried for mercy. Do you remember that it was only a few moments ago that he was crying out, Jesus, have mercy on me. No doubt that he, did, he, wasn't, he wasn't being quiet at that prayer, was he? And with that same intensity, with that same love and passion, he came back and he cried and he glorified God and he took he went low onto his face the bible says oh i'm telling you church if you would praise the lord the same way that you cried out for his mercy nobody could stop you from glorifying god oh go back to the moment that you realized how deep you were into your sins and with what passion and urgency you cried out to the God who set you free from that same sin that was destroying you. Maybe you should with that same passion, with that same zeal, with that same energy, maybe you should also give him praise and glorification. Maybe with that same level of intensity, the same level that you used to Cry out for forgiveness. God set me free. I'm a sinner. Maybe you should say, God, you are a good God who has done good things. He's a Samaritan. He is not deserving of this blessing of being with Jesus. Uh, he was not a Jew. He was not worthy. Jesus, he said he came first for the Jews and then later for the Gentiles. But it was only by God's grace that he was healed. And now this one who was the only one undeserving <laughs> he was the one who came to worship. Oh, beloved, I'm telling you that we need to be a people of worship, of glorification. See, Thanksgiving is not just eating turkey in November. Thanksgiving is an act of worship. It's an act of glorifying God. And it is not right for you to call yourself a Christian it is not right for you to be washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. It is not right for you to experience the blessing of God without first going back to him and saying, God, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you every day of my life. And if I said thank you a thousand times for every day for the rest of my life, it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough to show you the gratitude that I feel in my heart, God, for what you've done in my life. I close with this uh, story. There was a father and a mother of a young man who was killed in military service. And uh, they were on their way to their little church on Sunday morning as they were grieving the loss of their son. And they came to the pastor of that small church and they told him, we want to give a monetary gift as a memory to our son who died in battle. The pastor told them that's a wonderful gesture. That's on your part. It's a wonderful sign of faith. He asked them if it would be all right to tell the congregation about their generosity. And they said, yes, it's okay. 
The next Sunday, they, he came and told the congregation of that gift that this mother and father had given in memory of their dead son. On the way home from that church service, there was another couple driving down the road, and the father turned to his uh, wife and said, Why don't we give a gift also because of our son? His wife replied, But our son didn't die in any conflict. Our son is still alive. And her husband replied, That's exactly the point. It's all the more reason that we ought to give in thanks to God. I close with this thought. Thanksgiving has to include giving. It is the giving of thanks. It is a spirit of generosity. And I am not preaching to you a, a, a money sermon this morning. I am preaching to you a message that when we realize what God has done for us, when we return to glorify, we will give him thanks. We will give him glory. We will give all that we are and all that we can be into the hands of a God who has done so many miracles for us. I want to ask you now to bow your head. We're going to close our eyes this morning and bring this service to an end. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.